Hi, I'm John Olson. Thank you for joining us on the Public Policy This Week podcast. If you like what you hear on this show, please consider leaving us a review or telling a friend about us. Also, please consider subscribing so you'll receive a brand new edition of the show every time we make one available. We hope you find Public Policy This Week entertaining and informative, and thanks again for listening. Welcome to Public Policy This Week, a well-rounded weekly discussion of policy issues that frame today's American experience. Good morning. Today is Friday, October 14th, and you've joined us for Public Policy This Week. Public Policy This Week is dedicated to the honest and open discussion of public policy issues. Each week we take a look into a specific policy subject, and we have guests on the show that are experts in their field. To the greatest extent possible, we stay away from politics and instead concentrate on research, facts, and the experience inside of our guests to help us to arrive at well-thought-out, comprehensive, integrative solutions to the shared challenges we face in society. Our, Our program runs the gamut on policy subjects from neighborhood concerns to municipal, state, and national level issues. Everything's fair game. Our objective is civil, thoughtful dialogue about important policy issues that convey ideas and solutions to move society forward. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Bruce Moreland. You've heard me many times on the radio, and you know that I'm active in local politics. Uh, my, the man sitting across from me is Joe Moravichek. Joe is a retired police officer who, like me, has not learned how to retire yet, so he's very active in local issues. He has firsthand experience with the political divide, having run for office in 2020. Today on Public Policy This Week, we are going to talk about Braver Angels, a national movement to bridge the political divide. The Braver Angels organization is balanced between conservatives and progressives. They work in communities, on college campuses, in the media, and even in the halls of political power. I'm really excited by this opportunity to bring Braver Angels to our program. I've already brought Braver Angels to my other organizations, having started the Braver Angels Action Team in Citizens Climate Lab having presented almost 20 Rotary Clubs on Braver Angels. Our guest today is Bill Doherty, one of the founders of Braver Angels and an expert par excellence who will give us many insights. And Joe? Well, welcome, Bill. Uh, Where are you joining us this morning? I know you're on Zoom. Roseville. Roseville, where we have a little snow on the ground here today, which uh, makes me unhappy in the middle of October. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> We've got flurries here, no snow yet. Okay. Um, real quick question for you, Bill. I'm sorry we started late. Uh, how long do you have? I have to the top of the hour. Top of the hour. Okay, well, we, we know that there's a lot of information. Let's get going. Yeah, well, okay. welcome, Dr. Bill. Let's jump right into our discussion. <clears throat> on, on Tuesday, November 8th, 2016, most in politics and the polling services and certainly in the media Many citizens of the United States and even worldwide were caught off guard by Donald Trump's presidential election victory over Hillary Clinton. How did the Trump and Clinton campaigns, the election and post-election reaction play out in the creation of braver angels? Well, it uh, played out very shortly thereafter when uh, two of my colleagues, long-term colleagues, um, David Blankenhorn from the Upper East Side of Manhattan <clears throat> David Lapp uh, from Southwest Ohio. They were on the phone together <clears throat> about a week after the election, 
<clears throat> talking about how people were feeling about the election in Upper East Side of Manhattan and Southwest Ohio, <clears throat> and completely different worlds. In in New York, it was uh, the world is ending. It was a funeral. Uh, in South Lebanon, Ohio, uh, it was hope and change. Uh, and they decided on the spur of the moment on that call to get together 10 Hillary Clinton voters and 10 Donald Trump voters for 13 hours over a weekend in early December in Ohio. Uh, and, uh, and then they called me and um, they asked me if I could f design and facilitate the gathering. Um, and I have to tell you that I was hoping I was not free that weekend, but in fact I was. Um, and, um, and so flew to Ohio and we had this amazing experience and that's what launched the whole thing. And, and and they picked you because you have experience in, as a family therapist, is that right? Yeah, so I'm a marriage and family therapist, and I've done a lot of uh, community engagement work. I've done a lot of work in group facilitation, designing experiences for for people to come together across differences. So that's some of my expertise. And uh, now I never would have thought of doing this, but they thought of doing it, uh, and. Um, uh, David Lapp had the connections in Ohio to pull people together. He, D David um, is a red, is, is a Republican. D uh, David uh, Lapp, David Blankenhorn, a blue, a Democrat in New York City. And they had a bond. And uh, so together we created this experience thinking it would be a one-off, uh, frankly. You know, it was just like a great cocktail party story. Remember back, remember that election 2016 when we actually got some folks together afterwards? But it was so successful in people humanizing each other, understanding each other beyond that the people in the room were not little Hillary Clintons or little Donald Trumps. They were actually fellow citizens <clears throat> who run schools together, you know, who who build roads together, who, who share a community. And they said they came to this workshop because they couldn't go on being so divided. They have families to raise together and hospitals to build and so on. So it was a little mini America there in, in that space that was inspiring. And, and they had some uh, interesting one-on-one -on -one conversations and, and did some other work in that workshop. Um, did you immediately spring into creating an organization or did you have some other trial test cases, as it were? Well, uh, again, we, we thought it would be a one-off. And but the group wanted a reunion, so you know, <laughs> cashed in another frequent flyer, you know, <laughs> ticket and flew back, and we just decided we had something that would keep going. <clears throat> and then the question, first question was, could it ever be done a second time? You know, is it was it just a one-off? Right. So we designed a follow-up with a different group, and then the other thing is thirteen hours is a lot of time, and it'd be really hard. It would fill the whole weekend. And it would be really hard to keep replicating that and you know scaling that across the country. So I came back to Minnesota and designed a three-hour sort of mini dosage, uh, one day, uh, just sort of worked with it to figure out if we could design something that would have an impact, but would not take a full weekend. So Minnesota, then Ohio first, and then Minnesota, we began to we began to experiment with uh, with what might work well. I remember being one of the lab rats when you were working with the Rotary Club in Northfield. Uh, was that one of your first offerings? 
Uh, that was one of the first uh, public presentations of this, for sure. That's right. Okay. And one of the, I know that there was a short movie made out of that for describing that first event. Can you tell us a little bit about what that? Yeah. So highlighted? A, um, yeah. So a, actually, it was the second one, not not the first one, okay. um, but the second uh, big one that we did in Ohio. <clears throat> and um, uh, what happened was that um, um, Peter Yarrow of Peter Paul and Mary fame, the the, mm-hmm. the, the folk singing group. He always tells me to mention um, Puff the Magic Dragon in case there's a young person listening who doesn't know Peter, Paul, Mary. They'll know Puff the Magic Dragon. He wrote that song. <clears throat> so Peter Yarrow found out about what we were doing from a friend and um, got very enthusiastic and then raised money to bring a documentary crew to the second weekend gathering in Ohio. Uh, and um, and that... Um, uh, and then, the, so then a documentary uh, came out of that, which is available. People can watch on the braverangels.org website. Yeah. I, I remember at the second convention when Peter Yarrow taught me how to use my cell phone to take a selfie. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it was quite the thing. <laughs> and and I loved his story about uh, the silver bullet. He said the Lone Ranger had always ended. Who was that masked man? Well, the silver bullet should tell you. And then he said, "This is my silver bullet." And he broke into Puff the Magic Dragon. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Quite yes. the character. Yes. All right. Yes. So what's where does the the organization get its name? That's kind of an interesting well, story. We were we we started out with the name Better Angels from the Abraham Lincoln phrase, the better angels of our nature from his first inaugural address, appealing to the better angels of our nature to avoid the Civil War. And so we worked, we operated with that name for a couple of years. And then uh, somebody owned the trademark uh, for that. And they uh, said they would uh, sue us. And they had a lot more resources than we did. And so we changed our name to Braver Angels, which we actually like better now because we think that it takes courage to reach out across differences. That's a, that's a great story, and I've, I've enjoyed repeating it to every Rotary Club I've ever had a chance to talk to, so we like that. Yeah, it, it's, uh, it's interesting then that um, Braver Angels is not, how large is the organization? How many people are actually involved? Yeah, in so we decided that first year <clears throat> to uh, make it a membership organization, um, and to make the membership do is very small. So it's $12 a year. Uh, we have about 11,000 members. Um, and as you mentioned in the intro, a, a key part of it was we decided that at the leadership level, board, uh, leadership team, uh, we have state coordinators, um, alliances, which are like chapters around the country, that the leadership of all of these would be half red, half blue, half half uh, conservative, half liberal. So that's, that's we really have um, uh, kept to that as much as humanly possible. Uh, so we have 11,000 members. We, we have, um, uh, we've trained about 500 workshop moderators, uh, people who do workshops around the country, um, where most of the work in Brave Angels is done by volunteers. So I'm a volunteer. Um, teach at the University of Minnesota. This is my public outreach engagement work. Um, so we have... Um, there's probably um, a thousand volunteers and active leadership around the country. Um, uh, and most of the grassroots work goes on uh, by volunteers. I, I know that you have a, a couple of 
programs that are really going to be interesting, and I think we, we're, we're going to be going to those next. Uh, did, Joe, did you have a question? Well, before we head that, in that direction, uh, Bill, I've read articles that suggest the United States is now as polarized as we were in the decades leading up to the Civil War. There's not only polarization, but outright contempt. Just turn on the TV any evening to see it on any number of programs talking about politics. Politicians drive this polarization, as does the media. Citizens see this and partake in it. Where do you start to try to bring people together? What foundational values do the braver angels have that attracts people with opposing views to a meeting or a workshop to listen and engage and try to work together? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a really important and powerful question. Uh, the bad news, as you said, is that we are probably more polarized than we've been since almost the Civil War era. Um, uh, and that this polarization isn't mainly about issues. It's not that we have a lot of uh, far right, far left. It's how we feel about each other. It's the contempt that we hold for people who differ from us politically. This is called social or affective polarization. Um, and so the core value that I think we we operate from is that as Americans, m most people want what's best for our, our people, our families, our children, for the next generation. Um, and, <clears throat> and, um, and, and, and underneath, there are lots of common aspirations that we have that we appeal to in Braver Angels. If you start with policy, so, for instance, with healthcare, if you start with, oh, shall we have a single-payer, federally sponsored, um, you know, healthcare system? Everyone will just go at each other. <laughs> if you start with a question that I'll be asking, uh, you know, this Saturday um, at a workshop, what, what what are your concerns about healthcare in this country, and connected to a personal story? And so people will share their concerns and their worries about access and affordability and and so on. And they will and they, they will tell a story, personal story from themselves, their family. Um, and uh, when people share their concerns, their worries and their stories at that level, you almost can't tell who's a red or who's a blue. Mm -hmm. um, uh, people want everyone to have access to good health care where we differ is how to make that work in terms of who pays for what. But uh, there is a fundamental desire, uh, I think, among most Americans to get along well enough to run this country together. Uh, as somebody said uh, <clears throat> at the end of one of our, what we call red-blue workshops, a um, young man who was a conser conservative, a red, he said, neither side is going to finally vanquish the other, so we're going to have to figure out how to get along and run the country together. And that's the spirit and braver angels that I think attracts people to us. Wow. And and it is a powerful spirit, having been to several or many of those, having actually been part of the production of those kinds of workshops. Um, that's the underlying value that everybody brings into the room is a desire to make things better. And uh, the, our politics have just, I hate to say it, but the two political parties have poisoned the dialogue in the interest of the echo chambers that they have become. And I tell people that too often our political parties now have replaced the churches as a source of community and morality. And that, that use of moral language to 
to label the other than as evil is is very destructive to the the efforts that we need to be able to make. So um, I'm going to just say you're listening to Public Policy this week on KYMN AM 1080 and FM 95.1 from our studios in beautiful downtown Northfield, Minnesota. I'm Bruce Moreland alongside my co-host Joe Marakovich, and we are talking to Dr. Bill Doherty, one of the founders of Braver Angels. So the second part, I want to talk about some of the offerings that you guys have. And I wanted to start with the, the one that we have successfully used in Citizens Climate Lobby. We, we put on a blue-red fishbowl, and it was a three-on-three, three, uh, three with three reds and three blues, and then a room full of probably 90% blues who were the observers. Uh, but we kept the dialogue on the stage balanced. And can, can you tell me a little bit more about how, that, how those fishbowls work? How you use those? Yeah, so fishbowl is a technique within our, uh, our red-blue workshop, and then it's adapted, as you said, to other areas uh, like uh, Citizens Climate Lobby. <clears throat> it's an, actually an old um, group uh, technique to encourage uh, deep listening and finding a common ground. And so what you do is, let's say you have eight reds, eight blues in a workshop, uh, and, um, and you flip a coin for who's going to go first in the middle uh, of the fishbowl. What the fishbowl means is that you have the eight chairs in a circle with the facilitator. And then and in the outer circle, you have the chairs of the other side. So in this case, if the blues were first, they would be in the middle, the reds are sitting on the outside. You can, we learned to do this online too. You can have people <laughs> with their screens off and then a group in the middle. So, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. We figured out how to do it online because of the pandemic. And then... <clears throat> The people in the middle answer some questions and have a conversation. And the people on the outside's job is to listen, to try to understand how the people in the middle um, uh, see issues and, and, and uh, how, how they define themselves um, uh, without any participation. In other words, with no interruption, with no verbal or nonverbal expressions. It's one of those rare opportunities you have to listen to a, a group of people who mainly agree with each other, but who, who are different from you. Um, and um, where you, there's, you don't respond. Uh, a lot of times when we're talking to somebody who differs from us, we're preparing our response, okay? Our brilliant retort. Um, <laughs> yes. And then we, we stop listening. Um, and here you have the luxury of being able to listen. So, uh, so uh, then after that, after, you know, the, the inside fishbowl group talks and the outer group comes into the middle, the middle goes to the out. And in our red blue workshop, I'll give you the two questions that the groups answer. And the first is, why are your side's values and policies good for the country? Why are your side's values and policies good for the country? People discuss that. And then the second question is, what are your reservations or concerns about your own side? Your reservations or concerns about your own side. The second, the first question gives you the chance to say, why our country needs conservative values and principles or liberal values and principles? And, you know, wh wh why, why, you know, what's the best of what you offer the country? And then the second, the second one is what we call the humility question. And that is, well, what are some of the downsides? One of the, some of the things that concern you about your own side. Um, and so again, the people on the outer, outer circle in the fishbowl, have a chance to listen to people celebrate their side, 
and express humility about their side. And then after that, people form red-blue pairs for several minutes and they process this question, a two-part question. What did you learn about how people on the other side see themselves and did you say anything in common? What did you learn about how they see themselves and did you say anything in common? So they process that in pairs and then we go around the whole group and we process the same thing. So this is this is a, an exercise we use in our Red Blue workshop, and it's usually very rich because people listen more deeply, they look for common ground. Okay, and <clears throat> I, I was going to ask about a couple of other workshops uh, that I have particular experience with. I want to talk briefly about the depolarizing within and the bridging the divide because Citizens Climate Lobby's Braver Angels Action Team has taken each of those and given them a, a CCL flavor in which we know that everybody in the group agrees on the issue. So what we're looking more is how we're communicating both within our own, I, I hate to use the word, but I will, uh, within our own tribe and how we talk and communicate with people that are in the other side. And I, I hate to use the word other, you know, for obvious reasons, but... But those two workshops, um, can, you, can we talk about the depolarizing within workshop, for example, how sure, that works? Sure. So this was one of our early developed workshops, and it came out of this idea that most of the polarizing, highly negative conversations that go on in our country about people who differ from us politically, most of those conversations go on among like-minded people. Um, it's blues with blues, reds with reds who um, bash the other side, mm -hmm. stereotype, dismiss, ridicule, express contempt. A lot, of, a lot of us aren't brave enough to say that directly to somebody's face, so we say it, we say it to our, our, our friendly neighbor who agrees with us. Right. Um, and so the Depolarizing Within workshop has two goals. One is to help us depolarize ourselves within, each of us within, uh, so that uh, how do I get past my tendency to do what I, we call the four horsemen of polarization, the four horsemen of polarization, stereotyping, dismissing, ridiculing, and contempt. Stereotyping, dismissing, ridiculing, and contempt for the 70 plus million people who were foolish enough to vote differently from me, say, in the last presidential election. And so this is the inner polarizer. And we have a self-assessment tool and for, that people can take about their own tendency to demonize the other. Uh, and they can share that and, and in terms of what they learned about themselves, where they'd like to be. And then we have a series of, of uh, teachings and activities to identify um, how we tend to stereotype and dismiss uh, others. Uh, and, um, and, and some small group conversation about sort of like my inner kind of like, you know, my inner racism or, you know, my, in this case, my inner polarizing. Uh, and then the second part of the workshop is skills for how to intervene gracefully in conversations with like-minded people when those conversations veer into stereotyping, dismissing, ridiculing, and contempt mm -hmm. um, for, again, these large swaths of people on the other side. So how to how to speak up in a skilled way, how to share uh, your own views about these things, but without getting fired from your own group. Because <laughs> otherwise you can come across like, hey, I'm smarter than you and, you know, and uh, 
I, I'm above you. So how, how to how to not be above people? But it, so for example, when somebody says uh, all those Republicans or all those Democrats, okay, there's tens of millions of people here. Are we talking about all of them? Um, when people uh, really despise a particular politician and they identify, uh, then, then they despise everybody who voted for that politician as if everybody who voted for that politician almost is that person or subscribes to everything that that, that, that political leader subscribes to. Right. So th that's the depolarizing within workshop. Is that, is that kind of what kind we of would, would call, call the... Uh, the uh, uh, yeah, uh, straw man, straw man effect, effect where you you construct your worst possible example from the exactly uh, yeah and then you exactly. attack that straw man okay absolutely you you just reduce you you reduce uh, people's arguments that that for some people can be made in a very complex way yep. you reduce them to utter simplicity uh, 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 and platitudes and then dismiss those folks. So what, mm -hmm. one of the things we suggest people do, if you want to, if you want to depolarize yourself, intentionally read, uh, articles, books, uh, 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 written by people on the other political side, people who are smart, thoughtful, and complex that don't base your understanding of what people, uh, on the other political side believe based on one of your in-laws views if that person <laughs> you know doesn't uh, uh, gets all their information from social media um okay. uh, just read columnists for example uh who are more liberal or conservative than you are and you don't have to agree with them but it'll it'll tell you it'll show you that there are smart complex people uh, on on the other political side indeed bill you've talked about workshops and discussions Braver Angels also sponsors online citizen debates and in-person debates on college campuses. Certainly you encourage civility, empathy, and respect during debate dialogue. It is really important that students become engaged in the political process. We, of course, have St. Olaf and Carleton here in Northfield. Are students appreciative of opposing views and the importance of listening and learning from each other and trying to find some common ground? To problem solve I'm yeah, interested in your experience with students of, yes thank you uh, lots of um, interest on college campuses in our debate program <clears throat> um, and uh, students m many students most students uh, you know love the clash of ideas um, and um, and so the the debates are topics and resolutions are decided by reds and blues together um, uh, and the goal is to have a space, uh, uh, either physical space or this can be done online, where there are meaningful numbers of people on both sides of an issue. Um, and, and then it's a structured, the thing I want to communicate is that if you have a good structure for a conversation across differences, it's almost always successful and meaningful. Um, if you don't have a good structure, um, the same people coming together, it'll it'll just be a, a chaos or 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 negative or destructive. Um, and so this is a parliamentary style debate process where uh, you have people give uh, a four minute speeches for and against uh, the motion. You go back and forth um, with questions in between. Um, and uh, I'll give you an example of a key a process that helps them be civil. 
when somebody asks a question, the, um, the, the question is not posed directly to the person who gave the last speech. It's, it's posed to the chair. And so um, if, uh, let's say, um, uh, if, if Bruce had just given a speech about climate change um, and, um, and I wanted to ask a question that uh, would uh, uh, get him to think differently about it maybe or more deeply or clarify something, but maybe I'm on the other side of it, um, I would not say uh, to Bruce, um, you know, how did you end up saying that, blah, 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 where's your evidence for that? Uh, which could lead him maybe, if I say it that way, to be a little defensive. Instead, I say, Madam Chair, I, I wonder if the prior speaker has uh, looked into, has thought about, has uh, any comments on this, this uh, branch of research that would argue the opposite of what he just said. So can you see that, that little technique that the questions go through the chair rather than directly to the speaker uh, it keeps the negativity down. Uh, and so, um, uh, so that's just one example of a process, but these, these debates are happening around the country uh, and uh, very successfully. I've been part of several of those debates, and I have to say they do really work well. I, I introduce them in my rotary speeches as the icing or the dessert that we get to have once we've become better angels or braver angels. Then we get to have fun. So mm -hmm. I love the debate process. Um, yeah, uh, Bill, as Bruce mentioned, you've been a practicing therapist, in fact, for over 40 years, bringing people together to see understand and reconcile differences. I read in an article about you that you see building relationships, bridging divides and reconciliation as keys to reducing polarization in your work with Braver Angels. And you've, you, you actually view your work as patriotic duty. You do this for the love of people and love of country. You've obviously had success bringing citizens with different backgrounds and beliefs to the table to talk. Are you also able to bring politicians, political leaders, to the table as well? Yeah, yeah. That's um, this has been what's been happening in the last couple of years, uh, and so I'll say as a preface that two important and legitimate challenges to our work in Braver Angels. The first is, um, do you have any evidence that these workshops uh, work beyond people feeling good at the end? Uh, and then the second is. Uh, what are you involving uh, elected officials, politicians? Because that's where so much of the of what we're seeing in polarization goes on. And I'm happy to say that on the first question, we have an academic team from several universities that approached us, and they are doing uh, randomized controlled trials uh, uh, on our workshops. And so far, they're finding them effective, uh, uh, not just when people leave the room, but in the months ahead to depolarize them. So that, that's good news, and we'll continue to study the effects of our work. Uh, and on the second one, in the last um, couple of years, we've been increasingly approached by elected officials and they have been uh, interested in our approach to them. And so we've um, been designing and doing workshops specifically for elected officials. So in Minnesota, for example, um, we did um, a workshop for in Duluth for um, uh, city council members and mayors um, uh, on, uh, it's called 
managing difficult conversations with constituents. And we teach them the Braver Angel skills for managing uh, conversations in a increasingly contentious world. Um, we've done a fair amount of work with county commissioners around Minnesota, and uh, in the next year or two, we'll be doing even more. Um, and then at the level of uh, state legislatures, uh, we, we did a skills workshop for members of the Minnesota State Legislature. Um, we've spoken at with their civility caucus. Um, in, um, in Congress, um, we've been invited by the uh, Problem Solvers Caucus, uh, which if you listeners don't know about that, uh, Google Problem Solvers Caucus in Congress, and that'll make you feel a little more hopeful because it's a group of about 30 uh, conservatives, 30 Republicans, uh, 30 uh, Democrats who um, meet every week for lunch and are committed to bipartisanship and changing some of the rules and procedures in the House of Representatives to allow for more bipartisanship. So they invited us to do some uh, workshops uh, with members of the Problem Solvers Caucus. And again, that we've adapted what we've done with the lay folks uh, for that, that purpose. And I can give examples of what we do with them, but that's it. But so the short answer to your question then on, on the politics thing is that yes, we're getting increasing uh, involvement, in, including recently by school boards are beginning to approach us as well. Um, let me follow up a little bit on that. I know that there is a project in Braver Angels called Braver Politics. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So after um, finding that we had uh, openings, if you will, there was there were openings uh, in, in the level of government officials for our work, um, uh, we decided to create a formal <coughs> initiative uh, called Braver Politics. Um, and with somebody designated to lead this, um, um, which, um, which we're bringing together a whole variety of things, including uh, in neighborhood conversations where people bring in a candidate <coughs> um, and then there's a facilitated conversation with uh, both Democrats and Republicans, liberals and conservatives. Um, <coughs> so we're, we're doing those at the very much grassroots level. We've developed a candidate's debate process that we are piloting. We've done several of those. I'm going to take a glass, a glass of water here. So we've been we've taken our uh, college debate and community debate process and <clears throat> refined it, adapted it for uh, political leaders, and and so we hope to be. It, again, I want to be clear that this is just at the pilot stage. We've done four or five of those, and we hope to expand these. Um, so, um, uh, and then the the work, the the new workshop uh, called "Managing Difficult Conversations with Constituents." Um, I'll, be, I'll be going to New Hampshire in December to do a workshop with members of the New Hampshire Legislature. Um, we'll be adapting our workshops here. We'll be managing difficult conversations with fellow legislators um, and um, so uh, and then the last thing I'll say is that uh, we have a process that we've done with elected officials where they get to tell more personal stories and I can go into that later if you like uh, so we uh, we're developing a menu so we have this menu uh, for regular citizens um, of, 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 of skills workshops debates what we call red blue workshops and we're now developing this menu for uh, political folks 
and we're finding a real interest in it. And you might ask, why, why are they interested? And that's because most elected officials are not the drivers of polarization. They are brought along for the ride, whether they like it or not. Mm-hmm. And they, a lot of them do not like it. So one, one member of, the, of, of Congress, a Republican member of Congress, said that if, he, if, if somebody took a picture, a photograph of him shaking hands with a Democrat, shaking hands, uh, that could get in on social media or in the local newspaper at home, and he could be primaried. Primary has become a verb. He could be, <laughs> he could be primaried by somebody who would say, uh, from his, his, on this case, in his case, the more extreme right, who is saying he's he's consorting with the enemy? So a lot of the a lot of the elected officials are not happy about what's happening in the country, and they they see it as uh, not driven by all politicians, but by certain ones. It was amazing that social media keyed in on the fact that DeSantis shook hands with President Biden, as if mm-hmm. that was the most significant thing that happened in that meeting. It just yes. blows me away. And braver politics then is kind of a, a hopeful response to that that problem, and I'm excited to hear more about that. Um, you know, you would think, Bruce, that it was Zelensky shaking hands with Putin. <laughs> Just about what? that, yeah. Aren't they both Americans here? <laughs> I think that we forget that sometimes. I, I have to ask you about two upcoming events that I know that Braver Angels has had some uh, thoughts on. We have an election coming up, so there'll be all kinds of anxiety over elections. And then we have Thanksgiving coming up. And I know that last year we had a program, or you guys had a program, uh, specifically designed to help people at Thanksgiving. So do you want to talk about one of those, or both of them? Sure, sure. Well, the, um, start with the uh, elections. So th- this may be the biggest polariz- polarized issue in the country right now, and that is... Are, are elections trustworthy or not? Uh, and um, and you know it's dividing us uh, and threatening, uh, threatening uh, you know our constitutional republic here. Um, and so we've um, we we've, uh, we have a workshop called Common Ground Workshop uh, that we where we brought people together who differ strongly on things like abortion. Um, and uh, so we have adapted this to what we're calling the issue of trustworthy elections. Uh, and we've uh, piloted this workshop several times successfully. And we have a plan uh, to take it national. Uh, and I'll describe what would happen after the workshops. Um, but here's so you have people come together, say, you know, six or seven people who believe the last election was stolen and that we cannot trust our elections going forward. Uh, And then six or seven people who believe that the uh, last election was basically fair uh, and uh, and that the system, if anything, uh, it suffers from uh, the suppression of of, uh, votes, particularly by uh, minority people. and so you have these two groups who are quite different. And uh, in the workshop, they come together with a series of exercises where they uh, listen to each other's concerns and their values and their thoughts about what should, what should be changed. And the discussion is not relitigating the last election. 
It's about how would we go forward so that most of us have confidence that the person who's elected was actually elected. And so after the first part of the workshop where people listen to each other, again, values and concerns and policies they would like to have in place, then each side, you know, call them reds and blues, and go to a separate space and they come up with um, values, concerns, and solutions that they hold and that they think the other side could buy into. In other words, what do I believe uh, in terms of my values? And what do I think they, they, if I phrase it this way, I think they'll agree with it. And then here's a solution that I think there's a reasonable chance having listened to them now and we have pre-read so people can understand more deeply. Um, and then they come together, the reds and blues together, and, um, and then each side presents their proposals to the other uh, and they can have clarifications and then anybody in the room can veto any of it. Um, and so they give a brief explanation of, of why. And then you, what you come out with are common ground, values, concerns, and solutions that everybody in the room unanimously has agreed to. Um, and the first one of these that was done in Boston about six weeks ago, um, and again, very divided group coming in the door, they came up with a whole series of common values, concerns, and solutions um, that um, nobody thought going in the door that they would come up with. And I'll give an example, just one example <clears throat> uh, of, uh, of something that came out of some deep listening, uh, where, um, uh, and that is that um, a number of, uh, of conservatives heard stories uh, from liberals about family members in different parts of the country who waited two hours in line to vote on election day. Um, you know, in some chilly parts of the country um, and, you know, and people who aren't, some people can't stand in, in line for two hours. So, so one of the, the solutions that everybody agreed on was that there should be enough polling place, should be enough resources put into um, uh, 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 elections so that people do not have to wait excessively in line to exercise their, their right to vote. Um, and then there were, there were ones on the other side as well. So uh, here's where we're going. We're going to have these all over the country. And then <clears throat> we're going to have a, a nomination process or a selection process of a red and blue from each side in each workshop who are going to meet as a whole um, to craft a statement of values, concerns, and policy solutions that that group who comes from the grassroots that they can agree on. And I don't know if that to be unanimous or 90% or something to be figured out, but that virtually unanimously, this group of politically diverse citizens having gone through a process like this, have developed a position paper for the country uh, that then we'll try to get widespread um, um, uh, publicity for uh, to say how coming up to the 2024 election how we should go forward. So that that's a very exciting uh, initiative that um, that we think can really make a difference. I think that sounds really cool. I'm going to take a moment here uh, for a personal pl uh, uh, point. I belong to the Red Caucus, 
And the Red Caucus, to me, is the symbol that Braver Angels is sincerely interested in maintaining a good red-blue conversation, as opposed to it being a just blues talking to each other. Uh, the more we did that in Citizens Climate Lobby, we had a conservative caucus. The Red Caucus does the same thing. It kind of helps keep Braver Angels on even keel, and I congratulate you on having such a thing, and I hope that they continue to be a, a good part of the, the organization. Um, we're running out of time. I, I have to ask you one more question, I think. Uh, first of all, are, do you, are you still doing the family solutions for Thanksgiving so that we have a way to deal with Uncle Bob when he gets up on his soapbox? <laughs> well, there's something on our website that is a little presentation about that <clears throat> that people can listen to. Let me just give a couple of tips there as we move from public policy to family policy. <laughs> well, um, and a, a key thing is with family members, we, what we call the, the prime directive is don't try to change a family member. Mm-hmm. You can only change yourself. Uh, d- don't set about in a conversation to be to be so smart as to point out how wrong they are uh, <laughs> so that they will say, geez, Bruce, I don't know why I never thought of it that way. And I've changed my not only mind on this issue, but my own political philosophy because of your brilliance. Okay? <laughs> um, and so uh, l- l- let let people be <clears throat> in terms of not trying to change their mind. Um, and then if you're going to get into political conversations, uh, try, try some curiosity about where people come from. Uh, so I did this with an extended family member. By the way, extended families are the last bastion of political diversity because you, you don't get to decide who your in-laws are, right? Or, mm. um, and so <clears throat> with an in-law from a different part of the country, um, uh, you know, who had some very strong views um, about a number of issues, I, what I learned to do was to ask him for the background story um, of, of how he came to feel so strongly. And, and I, I, it helped me understand him better. Uh, and, um, and the other thing I do with some relatives is to say, uh, what are people in your neck of the woods saying about such and such, you know, about the election, about January 6th commission or whatever. And then listen and then look for something you can agree with to, to before you share some other view and your point, something, something. Um, if you're discussing immigration, almost everybody agrees our immigration system is a mess, right? You can agree on that, even if you don't agree on the solution. Um, so, right. so, just to summarize that, don't try to change anybody's mind because uh, um, uh, that's not going to work. Um, uh, have curiosity for where they're coming from. Ask for some stories. Uh, and find something to agree with, even if it's to the level of something is a mess or we, we would all like our kids to be well-educated, mm-hmm. um, before you express your own viewpoint. Those, those are three very valuable tips. And if you want to learn more about this, I'd recommend everybody go to braverangels.org. Yep. Braverangels.org. And find out more about these workshops uh, and maybe partake of some of the lessons that they offer up there, uh, particularly the family one. I think it's Thanksgiving is always fun. And uh, I want to thank you for your time. Uh, it's been a very interesting conversation, and unfortunately, we only have so much time, and I want to honor your need to get to your next meeting. So this is where we must end things. Joe and I want to thank you, Dr. Doherty, for your time today and your leadership on this extremely important work. Uh, Thank you. It's, it's been a pleasure. And I just want to say Minnesota is, uh, 
is a, a national leader in Braver Angels, and people can join up for $12 and get all the information. So I'd love, love to have you with us, everybody. And thank you guys for having me on your program. Yep. Well, I'd personally like to thank you, and I look forward to further collaborations in the future. Absolutely, Bruce. That concludes this week's edition of Public Policy This Week. We're on KYMN Radio, AM 1080 and 95.1 FM each Friday morning from 10 to 11 a.m. Your hosts for today's program have been Joe Moravchik and Bruce Moreland. It is our hope that this show can be a small step to having important, meaningful, in-depth conversations about public policy challenges and solutions, staying away from the high-volume, rhetoric-filled conversations that are so commonplace today. We want our listeners to be informed by facts as they hear from our experienced policy experts and then be able to use that information to make the best personal decisions about highly complex policy issues. Thank you for joining us today on Public Policy This Week. We hope you'll join us again next Friday morning at 10 a.m. Steve Swigum returns to discuss the fall harvest in Minnesota from the corn and bean fields. Should be a great show. Have a wonderful weekend, everyone. You've been listening to Public Policy This Week. Tune in every Friday morning at 10 a.m. for more conversation with policy experts. Remember, this show can be found on your favorite podcast platform or stream it from KYMN Radio. Okay, Bill, thank you very much. Hey, sure. Thanks, guys. It was I enjoyed the interview. Good, good questions. Really good questions. I'm sorry. Can you hear? Can you hear? Yep. Yep. I was just saying thank you. Okay. Bill, I wish we had more time with you. Thank you very much. Yeah. No sweat. No suit of fierce.